I'm Dr. Joe Esposito, and welcome to our podcast for the health of it. Remember to subscribe to our podcasts, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. The information presented on this program is not intended to take the place of your personal physician's advice, and it is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Discuss this information with your own physician or healthcare provider to determine what is right for you. Are you suffering needlessly? Dr. Joe can give you advice on how to naturally get well and stay well. Dr. Joe Esposito. We're going to talk about your liver today. Now, a lot of people have liver issues and don't know it. And I get emails all the time from you guys, our listeners, on our website, drjoe.com, and people have questions. And in fact, uh, just before I went on the air just now, uh, I had a question from somebody in Spain who has psoriasis and usually skin conditions related to liver issues. And so I, I told him that, and he says, well, I don't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. Should I do a food allergy test? And the answer was yes, he should. But he never heard that skin issues might be related to the liver. So the liver is a big, important organ, and nobody really seems to pay attention to it. So we're going to spend a whole hour just talking about your liver and what we need to do about it. So your liver weighs about three pounds. It's located on the right side of your abdomen. Uh, it's reddish-brown in color. If you ever saw animal livers in the grocery store, you kind of know what it looks like, kind of rubbery to touch. Uh, it's protected by your ribs. So it's one of those really important organs that has to be protected. Uh, you can't live without your liver, but you can live with just a portion of your liver. I'm going to talk about that in a second. The liver is uh, one of the largest glands in the body, and it has over 500 tasks that it does every day. So you can imagine the liver is really important, really busy. So we don't want to give the liver any stress. One of the main, job, main jobs of the liver is to purify the blood coming in. So it's called from the hepatic artery and vein. And the liver has two main lobes, eight segments. Each segment has about a thousand little segments within it. And that forms what's, and they eventually drain it to something called the hepatic duct. So don't worry about the anatomy there, but it's a lot going on in that liver there. It also, it filters your blood, but it also regulates a lot of chemicals and excretes toxins and waste products and bile uh, through your intestines. Uh, and that bile helps to break down fat. Had a patient uh, yesterday, it was, or two days ago, and young girl, 18 years old, and she was having digestive problems. And the doctor said, let's take out your gallbladder. Now here she is, this beautiful 18-year-old girl, had her gallbladder removed. Now she's gonna have digestive issues for the rest of her life. And it didn't fix the problem. That's the kicker. A lot of times people have digestive issues, they remove the gallbladder, and it wasn't the gallbladder, it was actually the stomach. The stomach can push up against your diaphragm, you're not digesting your food properly. Many times doctors will say, well, the gallbladder isn't perfect, well, not, not exactly where it should be, let's go ahead and remove it. I don't recommend having your gallbladder removed unless it's diseased. Now, if it's diseased and it's really sick, well, then probably it's okay to have it removed, but I always want to look for alternatives. Can we fix what we have? I kind of got uh, my grandparents' mindset. They grew up during the Depression, and so if they didn't buy new things, they fixed things. And that's how I grew up. You just fix everything. So if we can fix the body, it's a much better choice. So if you don't have your gallbladder, you're not breaking down, you're not producing bile, you're not storing bile, so you're not breaking down fats properly, and that can increase your risk of heart disease. So if you have had your gallbladder removed and the gallbladder is attached to the liver, you definitely need to straighten out your diet forever, which is good. You need to straighten out your diet anyway, but that's a good motivating factor. Your liver produces cholesterol. It stores and releases glucose, which is blood sugar as needed. It regulates blood clotting. Your liver metabolizes and breaks down harmful substances. And then those toxins are released into either into the blood or to the bile, and then it's passed out. So what happens is bile enters into your intestines and leaves the body through your, when you go to the bathroom. While uh, blood byproducts have to be filtered through the kidneys. So I talk a lot about when you're eating something, it can have an effect on the kidneys, like a high-protein diet. I'm not a fan of these big high-protein diets because they have to be processed out of your system. 
and too much protein is too much acid, and it's got to either go through your liver or your kidneys. And many people show up with kidney issues after high-protein diets that I've seen in my career, especially diabetics. So I really worried about things like that. So I want to take stress off the kidneys and the liver. Uh, the liver also stores vitamin A, D, E, K, and B12. It helps the immune system. Again, 500 different uh, functions that it has. So your liver is really important. It's the only organ in the body that's capable of regeneration. This is important you understand this. In humans, as long as 25% of healthy liver remains, it can regrow without any loss of function in about 15 days. That's why liver transplants are really cool because I can give you 75% of my liver and in 15 days, I'm going to have a whole new liver again and you're going to be able to use my, my healthy liver too. So the liver is amazing and the body is just so amazing. It says the liver is so important, I have to be able to make it regenerate. Heart can't regenerate, kidneys can't regenerate, the liver can't. So many times patients come to me, that's enough anatomy there. Patients come to me and say, Dr. Joe, read my blood work and they have their liver enzymes tested. Now the liver enzymes, AST and ALT, are oftentimes used uh, in liver. And these two specific enzymes are elevated when there's some type of liver damage or liver injury. I've seen elevated uh, liver enzymes after a car accident because people have their seatbelt on. If the seatbelt is strapped across the liver and they get smacked around, like if you're in a passenger seat, especially the seatbelt is right across your liver, that can bruise the liver. They'll have blood work done, high liver enzymes. I said, let's give it a little bit to heal. Let's not get nervous yet. It might not be a disease process, might be traumatic. Uh, some more common diseases triggered by high uh, AL, AL, ALT and AS, AST, hepatitis, cirrhosis of the liver, fatty liver, uh, hemochromatosis, which is too much iron. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Too much iron is probably more dangerous than too little iron. And a lot of you out there have too much iron, but you don't know it. I'll tell you how to test for that too. Uh, uh, there's another enzyme called GGT. This one's really important because when it's, it's a biomarker of excessive iron and also your mortality. And a lot of insurance companies will use the GGT, and if it's too high, you're closer to dying. And so they're going to charge you more for you, or maybe not even give you insurance because you're higher risk. So liver enzymes are not necessarily always specific, but they tell us that there's something wrong. But the nice part is, again, the liver can regenerate. So another factor associated with liver we talked about is the iron overload. And it's necessary. I mean, you need iron, but if it's overloaded, that becomes a problem. Uh, Adult men and postmenopausal women are usually the ones at risk at iron overload. If you have too much iron, uh, you can have real serious problems. And iron essentially can rust. That's a real simple way to put it. And that can increase your risk of heart disease. So too much iron is really dangerous. And women who are on menstrual cycles lose blood every month. And so they usually risk of lower iron. But men and postmenopausal women usually have too much iron. And here's a little trick. little simple trick you can do, donate blood at least twice a year. I donate blood at least twice a year, usually more than that. Every eight weeks is when you're allowed. And I like to donate blood. I feel great when I donate blood. Now, I know that if you give it to whatever, the American Red Cross, they're going to sell your blood. Most places sell their blood. Even though you donate your blood, they're going to sell it. But I don't care about that. I care about what's going to be, what, I, I figure somebody's getting a pint of really good blood if they get my blood, and it helps my body get rid of excess iron and helps the body generate new cells. So I don't have a problem with donating blood. It's probably a good idea if you can donate you probably should for your own health, not just because you're being wonderful and you're going to help the world, you're actually helping other people. American Liver Foundation found that nearly 25% of adults in the United States have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. When I went to school many years ago, if you cut open a cadaver, you looked at somebody's blood work and they had fatty liver, what was the, what was the cause? Alcoholism. 
25% of adults in America now have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. A lot of this is due to sugar, especially fructose. Because fructose, when it gets into the body, has to be converted into glucose. And then glucose is the form that the body uses. That's a sugar the body uses. Fructose, as it's being converted into glucose, along with other toxic chemicals, can build up fatty liver. And so it's a real big problem. Now, we never saw fatty liver in children because it was always an alcoholic issue, but now we're seeing fatty liver in children, non-alcoholic fatty liver. Why? Probably because we're eating too much sugar. So another reason why you want to cut back sugar. If you want more information on sugar, go to our website, drjoe.com, and listen to the shows that we've done on sugar. Just type sugar in the website, hit enter. We've done several shows on that. But this is another reason why you want to avoid the sugar. Oftentimes, there's no symptoms with non-alcoholic fatty liver, and that's where the problem comes in. Now, as a chiropractor, this is a problem I have with patients. They'll come in and say, Dr. Joe, my neck's hurting. How long has it been hurting for? Oh, just a couple of days. I did yard work or whatever. And I take an x-ray, and I see extensive arthritis. And I say, this arthritis has been here for decades. Yeah, but I didn't have any symptoms. I understand that because 90% of your nerves don't feel pain. So from a chiropractic standpoint, you can have a pinched nerve 10% of the time it hurts. 90% of the time, statistically, it's not going to hurt. But it can cause problems because the nerves control the organs. Same thing with fatty liver. You may have a problem and not have uh, any symptoms. And so what do we do about this? Well, I'm going to talk about that in a second. Okay. Uh, so if you have the non-alcoholic fatty liver syndrome, that's not a good thing. Uh, it's almost always due to diet. And the nice part is you have control over that. Another thing, excessive amounts of omega-6 fatty acids. Now, you've heard me talk about omega-6s and omega-3s in the past, but excessive amounts of omega-6 fatty acids are really challenging to the liver. You need omega-3s and omega-6s, nose is itching here, um, for good health, but the problem is it should be about one-to-one, omega-6 to omega-3s, one, omega omega uh, even three-to-one, omega-6 to omega-3s. Omega but we're at about, in the average American now, is about 25 to one. And that's really dangerous because those omega-6 fatty acids can cause inflammation. And we start having inflammation occur, that's really dangerous. So the lopsided ratio plays a role in development obesity, and obesity is not good, but inflammation as well. Now, every disease known to man has an inflammatory component. Now, I don't care what it is, inflammation is a big issue. And most people are on a high inflammation diet. What does that mean? They're eating things like alcohol, meat, sugar, dairy, coffee, soda, artificial sweetener, breads, cookies, cakes, donuts, pastas. Sounds like your diet. Sounds like everybody's diet. So these high inflammatory foods, when they get into the body, can cause an inflammation. And that inflammation can become systemic. What that means is it goes through your whole body. And so that's why people like with celiac disease, for example, many times they have emotional disorders. Celiac disease and an inflammatory condition of the colon, oftentimes irritated by something like gluten, wheat, barley, and rye. And so the celiac disease causes an inflammatory reaction. The inflammation becomes systemic. It can affect the brain, and that can affect your moods. So a lot of people have emotional disorders if they have a gluten intolerance. Most people have either clinical or subclinical gluten intolerance. What is that? Clinical means I know about it. I eat wheat, bam, I have digestive issues, bloating, gas, diarrhea, cramping, I have a clinical reaction. Most people have a subclinical reaction. So there's mild inflammation. Maybe it's irritating the lining of the colon. If we irritate the lining of the colon, you can actually get little tears in the colon. And these undigested chunks of food, a bacteria, fecal matter, undigested food, can get absorbed into your body. And now the immune system is going to go crazy attacking these foreign proteins. That's called leaky gut syndrome. 
Leaky gut syndrome causes the inflammation, just like omega-6s, and that causes a problem. Now, the question is, why doesn't everybody talk about leaky gut syndrome? Years ago, I've been talking, I was talking about leaky gut for decades now, and it was kind of poo-pooed. Eh, it's no big deal. It's no such thing. Now, it's everywhere. You see gluten-free foods everywhere. You see gluten-free pizzas. You see pizza parlors having it. Labels, things, things are being labeled gluten-free because I was right. We'll put that in the Dr. Joe's right column. It's a serious issue. A lot of people have issues with it and don't realize it. So the challenge I have for you, I'm going to go back to the liver in a second. Don't worry. You know I go off my tangents. The challenge I have for you is I want you to go gluten-free and dairy-free. And I want you to do this for two weeks. No wheat, no dairy. Let's see what happens. If you feel better, I was right. If you don't feel better, go back to eating wheat and dairy. It's free. But you will feel better. Had a patient just this week, and uh, they want to remove 80% of his colon. And he did go gluten-free, so kudos to the doctors for telling him that. They never told him to go dairy-free because the protein in dairy called casein has a similar reaction to the protein in gluten that's found in gluten, gliadin and gluten, and that causes the inflammatory reactions. So I said to him, what are your goals? And he's a young kid, like 60, 65 years old. He says, my goal is to keep my colon. I said, okay, you willing to do whatever I tell you? He said, absolutely, Dr. Joe. I said, okay, no wheat, no dairy. He said, I'm done. I agree. So let's see what happens. Chances are he's going to do really well. Now, can I save his colon? I don't know how far gone the colon is, but I hope I can. And he says, if you could save my colon, doc, he says, you'll be my hero. And I said, well, our goal is every day to get our patients well. And we do that all day, every day. Patients come to us every day and say, Dr. Joe, you're our hero. Your staff has done this. I had a lady this week and she was just crippled up with scoliosis and arthritis and she was hunched over and her head was hanging to the side and she walked with a cane and I went through the consultation and she said, well, I don't know. The doctor said there's nothing that can be done. And we adjusted her and she stood up and for the first time in years, she's able to walk without her cane. Now she wasn't skipping down the hall, but she broke down and cried. She said, I can't believe I can walk without a cane. This is amazing. So point I'm making is that the body has amazing regenerative powers. And the liver, of course, having the most regenerative powers of any organ in the body, we just have to take care of it. And if you have abused it and beaten it up, that's okay. I'm going to forgive you. We just have to go ahead and now do the things we need to do to get it fixed. Because the liver is really important. Remember that, over 500 different um, uh, functions that it has. So let's go back to the DHA, the EPA, the omega-3 fatty acids. Researchers have found that the process uh, can be reversed, many, a lot of liver issues can be reversed by increasing what's called your EPA and your DHA. These are the good omega-3 fatty acids. And they're found in marine-based uh, omega-3s or algae. That's the best form of omega-3s. Now, if you're vegan, like I am, if you're vegan, you can get omega-3s in an ALA form. And the ALA omega-3 has to be converted into DHA and EPA. I hope I don't lose you with a bunch of chemistry here. ALA gets converted into DHA and EPA. Body does it not very efficiently. If you're very, very healthy, you might be able to get by. It only has about a 14% conversion rate. Now, if you take the DHA and EPA, the omega-3 fatty acids in this form, it's easier to absorb. And that we're finding now can help the liver. Now, there's three forms of omega-3s that you probably know about. Number one is fish oil. Not a fan of fish oil. Fish oil is an omega-3 high in DHA and EPA. Those are different versions of omega-3s, DHA and EPA. High in omega-3 fatty acids, the good ones. Problem is, fish oil many times is contaminated. 
It's contaminated with mercury, lead, polyvinyl chlorides, other chemicals. And the older and bigger the fish are, the more they've been around, the longer they've lived, the longer they've lived, the more likely they are to have these toxic chemicals built up. And where are these chemicals stored? In the liver and then in the fat. So if you're eating fatty liver, fat, fatty oils, like cod liver oil, when I was a child, my grandmother used to give me cod liver oil, great source of omega-3 fatty acids. But that was years ago. Now the fish are all contaminated. Almost all fish are contaminated at some point. So fish oil, not my favorite version. Uh, krill oil, that's a better version, much better, because the, the krill oil is in what's called the phospholipid form. The phospholipid form is the form of omega-3 fatty acids that you need. So krill is an excellent source of omega-3 fatty acids. Problem is, krill don't produce omega-3 fatty acids. Krill get it from eating smaller fish, or krill are the smallest fish actually, they get it from eating algae. So marine algae are the best forms of omega-3 fatty acids, chlorella and spirulina. Chlorella and spirulina, excellent form of omega-3 fatty acids in the form that we need, pure, non-toxic, renewable. If you're worried about the ocean, it's an algae, it's easily renewed. So there's no reason why if you're taking an omega-3 fatty acid supplement, and by the way, you should, that it shouldn't be an algae oil. Now on our website, drjoe.com, we have Dr. Joe's algae omega-3s, and that's the form that I take every day. Because yeah, I wanna help my liver. Omega-3s are also great for inflammation, they're great for brain function. So there's a ton of benefits to using an omega-3 fatty acid, and most of us aren't getting nearly enough. And I always say most people are deficient in omega-3 fatty acids, uh, magnesium. So there's some things a lot of people are deficient in, and those are some, some standard ones right across the board. And so we wanna make sure you're getting that, and vitamin D. So those are the three things that I find most people are deficient in. If you're eating a good diet, you can get the magnesium. You're eating a lot of fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. That's going to help tremendously. The algae oil, I, I, you need to take that, okay? And I take it every day. And then the vitamin D, unless you're out in the sun a lot, maybe 10, 15 minutes a day exposing, you know, arms, face, chest. If you can do that every day, chances are you won't need omega-3 fatty acids, uh, a D, uh, vitamin D3. However, if you're not able to do that or if you work inside, like a lot of us do, I would suggest taking a vitamin D supplement every day as well. And on the website, drjoe.com, we have the omega-3 supplement that I take. It's a, it's a vegan omega, well, it's not vegan. It comes from a lanolin, comes from sheep wool. Um, but it's a, a, a vitamin D3, not vitamin D2. That's synthetic. And it also has vitamin K2 with it. And vitamin K2 is necessary for a lot of functions and to make the D3 work better. So vitamin D3 necessary, omega-3 fatty acids necessary. Today we're talking about the liver, and so you need this omega-3 fatty acids for liver functions. Primary therapeutic action of the, of the omega-3s is reducing inflammation, while omega-6s actually increase inflammation. Now why would you wanna take something to increase inflammation? You need inflammation. If I were to scratch myself like right now, or if I, I'm gonna punch you in the arm, there's gonna be an inflammatory reaction. If you're gonna eat, if you're gonna breathe, if you're gonna be alive, there's gonna be inflammation. The body is creating inflammation to protect you. And so you need some omega-6 fatty acids and that works wonders. Now, you can reduce the GGT level. Remember GGT? It's one of those liver enzymes that uh, shows too much iron in the liver, liver toxicity, and really can determine how healthy you are, how close you are to death. So the omega-3 fatty acids are really good at that. It can re improve liver fat, reduce triglycerides, improve your HDL levels, which is the good cholesterol. Um, and it can also help with the uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver syndromes. Uh, both inflammatory processes, that are the non-alcoholic fatty liver, is an inflammatory reaction that's not triggered by alcohol. 
And so alcohol, we usually consider that as the way we're going to get inflammation of the liver and fatty liver. Not necessarily anymore. There's a lot of other things that are doing it. So the omega-3s, important for liver function. Glutathione. I cannot stress enough how important glutathione is. Glutathione is the master antioxidant in the body. It's the one that helps uh, fight, uh, fight disease. It helps fight free radicals. And most of us, if we can produce glutathione in our own bodies, but as we get older, like everything else, our glutathione levels drop dramatically. Medication, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. If you're taking medications, like even something as simple as acetaminophen, you're just blowing out your glutathione levels. And the liver needs glutathione to function normally. So many times if I have somebody who's toxic, a toxic liver, they have a bad diet, even brain function issues, I'll get them on omega-3s and glutathione, and that's the supplement along with the good diet, along with chiropractic care, and now the body is able to start to heal itself. In most cases. Why not try it? There's no downside to trying to get healthy. That's the key to this. Every show I've ever done, we always try to get to the cause of your healthcare problems, and there's no downside to trying a conservative approach unless you're at a point of life-threatening. I mean, if I'm squirting blood out of my carotid artery, well, I don't want to get adjusted at that moment. I want to make sure my arteries are sealed, and then I'll, then I'll get into chiropractic and nutrition as well. But unless it's immediately life-threatening, there's no downside to having a normally functioning nervous system, a normally functioning digestive system, and good nutrition. So why wouldn't you do that? I don't know. I, I, it's a rhetorical question. If you're not doing it, ask yourself, why am I doing it, and then do it. So we're talking about the liver today. You need the omega-3 fatty acids for brain function. I've talked about that. Now we need it for liver function as well. Your liver is responsible for cholesterol regulation. Number one drug that patients come in our offices is high blood pressure. Number two, insulin. Uh, not insulin, I'm sorry, cholesterol. And then insulin's right up there too. So a lot of people are pre-diabetic or diabetic. But high cholesterol, we can give you medication to lower the cholesterol. But here's my question, my rhetorical question. Why do you have high cholesterol to begin with? It's almost always nutritional. And it's almost always nutrition affecting the liver. 1% of people in this country have genetically high cholesterol. 99% do very well when you get their diet straightened out and their liver healed. So if you're on cholesterol medication, don't stop it, but let's get you well enough so that you don't need it. That's my approach. So liver is responsible for cholesterol. Uh, synthesis, it synthesizes it and it converts it into bile so you can digest your fats and it also takes it out. So what happens is with cholesterol in many cases, uh, the cholesterol level is high, and we're thinking now, new research is thinking that it's not so much you're producing too much cholesterol, it's that you're not recycling the old cholesterol. So your liver is kind of clogged up, the recycling bin is filled. So what we do is if we clean up the liver, open up the recycling bins, and you're able to recycle your cholesterol. So if your liver is damaged, it's unable to regulate cholesterol levels. So it may be the result of uh, several different things. Uh, elevated triglycerides, LDLs, of course, that are bad cholesterols. Uh, and there's other things uh, that can cause liver damage. Now, the LDLs, the low-density lipoproteins, are the ones that stick to the artery walls. So HDLs take cholesterol and carry it back to the liver. LDLs are the ones that go out initially, and they're the ones that can stick to the artery walls and cause problems. So if the liver isn't working properly, you may get too high LDLs, low-density lipoproteins, not enough HDLs, and the arteries can be uh, clogged up. And that can develop uh, heart disease, and that's where the big problem comes in with hardening of the arteries. So many times high cholesterol is a symptom. It's not a cause. Carbohydrate intake is going to have an effect on your glucose metabolism, your liver function, your risk of heart disease, stroke, diabetes, reducing carbs. People ask me, how many carbs should I take in? 
50 grams of carbs for every 1,000 calories. Now, if you can do 50 grams of carbs every day, that's awesome. But if you can at least do 50 grams of carbs per 1,000 calories, you're good. Now, it's something called net carbs. You take the amount of carbs that you eat, carbohydrates, minus the amount of fiber that you eat. So if you eat 100 grams of carbohydrates and 50 grams of fiber, your net carbs are 50. Get that? little math there. So you want to make sure your net carbs are about 50 grams per every 1,000 calories. Most of us don't need much more than 1,500 calories a day as long as it's high quality. And we've talked about that in our weight loss seminars. We want to be your doctors. Our goal, naturally get you well and keep you well. Make an appointment. Go to our website, drjoe.com, drjoe.com. Uh, it's usually $375 for the first visit. We've reduced that first visit all the way down to $149. Folks, I'm Dr. Joe Esposito, the website, drjoe.com. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening to For the Health Fit. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. You can also listen to and call into my radio show live Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 Eastern time on wsbradio.com and on a WSB Radio app. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.